Hey, this is Bria Grant from Best Friends Forever, and you're listening to the Rated NA podcast at nerdappropriate.com. Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode 111, the sign of the devil's cousin. <laughs> Whoa. What would the devil's cousin's name be? He's he's a uh, Beazel Scott. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. That seems unfair. That, yeah, that's your name. Maybe okay. he's Beazel Jeff. Okay, there you go. Okay. Beazel Jeff. Love it. <laughs> Oh God! Sorry, but uh, today's a special episode. Uh, we have we have actress, director, writer, uh, comic producer Bria Grant. Yes. Awesome! She was so much fun, man. She was uh, one of our super early interviews back in the 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 puberty stage of our website. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, she finally came on uh, episode one one one. That's when our podcast was text based only. It was text based only, but she's on episode one 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 to talk about her uh, upcoming film. Best Friends Forever, which is out pretty much right now. Right now. Yeah. So uh, everybody should go. If you did not, for some reason, you didn't listen to us and back the campaign, then you need to go to iTunes and pick it up now. And you know, even if you did back the campaign, go to iTunes and and pick it up now. Absolutely. Why not? Why not? It's an awesome story, too, of of an indie movie done right, I think. So yeah, it's it's good to hear. And uh, we are excited to let everybody hear that. But first, let's do the rundown. Today's podcast, we're going to do the interview. Obviously, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on in our lives. And then sort of as a best friends forever themed Naquato, um, we asked you. uh, Who would you bring on your friend, uh, your your buddy trip through the apocalypse? Yeah. Where was that? Where? Where, where I is didn't the write that in the notes, but I just I, remembered it off the top of my head. I don't think I wrote it in the notes. Yeah. But it, was, it was, who would you bring with you on your uh, you know, best friend buddy trip through the apocalypse? Yes. I knew that. I mean, that's why I set it up as such, but it was nowhere in the notes. And now I feel <laughs> stupid. It's all right. Do you want to right. do that part again? No, no. We're just onward. We're going to keep going. Yeah. All right. Rolling with it. So, Scott. Yes. Save yourself. What have you been up to this week? <clears throat> okay, yeah. So um, I started playing Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, which is uh, com- totally D&D ins- inspired and, and super awesome. In Borderlands 2, I guess I should say. Um, it's really impressive and really funny. And there's a lot of comedy and kind of like amazed at how they could do, how they did like sort of the dynamic things with the environment as if you were like actually LARPing and things were happening, like changing around you. I thought that was really neat. So um, I don't know how far I am through it, but maybe just like an hour or two, but it's, it's awesome. And cool. uh, I don't know. I don't know if I did anything else this week. That's really sad. <laughs> when did we last talk? Was it, was it a short time frame? Am I just uh, making up I excuses? I missed the last one. So I haven't talked to you guys in two weeks. Yeah. That's yeah. Been, been a while. I feel like I'm missing something, but. Um, the last one you did it was it was last Friday and you were yeah. uh, you hung out with Abby Happy which played, was awesome by the way you guys did a a great job with that interview I will oh, give thanks. you all pats on the backs 
She was super cool, and that was she's uh, pretty much one of the raddest people we've met through this site. I think, right, and, and yeah. like right, one of the first too. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's very tolerant and patient with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Oh, you idiots!" Um, yes. Did I? I I beat The Last of Us. I tried the multiplayer. Did I say that last week? I don't remember. I, I haven't uh, heard of you beating it, but but um, how'd you like it? Um, it was great. The multiplayer, um, I thought was fun. I, you know, in my opinion, it's like there's there's so many other games to play. I don't know that it could sustain my interest for too long. But I thought their approach to the multiplayer was interesting. Um, in the sense that it like uses your Facebook friends list to sort of create, um, like this, uh, narrative where you're trying to build a survivor camp and by competing in the multiplayer, you're like keeping your, your gang alive and and safe and stuff like that. But, um, the, I think the major takeaway for me from the last of us was the, the bow and arrow. Cause that, that like really did it for me. That's awesome. And it was the only thing I used in the multiplayer. I was like, who needs guns? This bow and arrow is amazing. Um, <laughs> So, and you can retrieve your arrows, which is like the best. Yeah, thing and it's Thanks, silent. Hunger Games. Yeah, and it's completely silent too. So when stealth is of the essence, as it often is in The Last of Us, the bow and arrow becomes your best friend. Um. So Matt, since you've been yeah. gone for a while, what what's been going on, man? Yeah, I just realized I've been gone for two weeks. I wasn't even thinking about that. But yeah, um, you know, I. Uh, started gaming again finally because i i have not actually turned on a console or a pc to play a game in a very very long time and so i picked up back into tomb raider because i haven't beat it yet sweet um it's such a fun game man i just i just really enjoy playing the game also a great bow Um, and arrow game yeah that's what i was saying thanks hunger games i I think like it's funny because it's like hunger games came out sold like a billion copies and now it's like bow and arrow all the things you know like all over the place (laughs) i'm okay with that it's fine I'm cool with it. It's a different mechanic, and and that's that's cool with me. But uh, but the game is so well done, you know. And I wanted to hate it because it really looked terrible when I first played it. Mm-hmm. Not terrible, like terrible looking. It just it seemed very weird. It had a weird vibe, and I wasn't yeah. into it. And then you're like, there's no playing, way this game like, is going to hold up. Yeah, yeah. So much fun. So much fun. And then uh, I watched uh, Hansel and Gretel on Blu-ray with my wife. Nice. She's that? very into that kind of stuff. So this is the worst endorsement I'm ever going to give a movie, but but it's not as shitty as you think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hillary watched it too, like last yeah, week. She watched it, I think, last it. week. Yeah, she watched it and liked it, and um, which is funny because we usually have opposite opinions on movies. We like a lot of the same games sometimes, but we don't like the same movies all the time. Uh, but it is it's not at all what I expected. It's very it's like Sam Raimi kind of campy and gory and uh, just fun. Like it was fun to watch. And you know, the plot is kind of whatever there's, there's a couple like weird plot holes in it and it's a first time director. Like this is the first thing he's ever done. He literally, he's Australian and he went, he was in film school and he went to the teacher and was like, I have this idea about what happened to Hansel and Gretel after all the stuff like what happens when they grew up and maybe they're witch hunters because they hated that witch that that tried to eat them you know and the teacher was like that's actually a really good idea don't brilliant tell here's else. 50 million dollars yeah. no the teacher, the teacher <laughs> said to him don't tell anyone else till you get to hollywood and so you know he finishes school he moves to la and sure enough like it was his first meeting ever with the hollywood executives yes. and was like here's this idea i have for a movie and they were like purchased wow and then he was like and then he said he was on the plane watching, um, watching uh, what's the bomb movie that Jeremy Renner's in? 
Oh, yeah, uh, Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. He said he was on the plane watching Hurt Locker and just suggested to the the executive, he's like, I think Jeremy Renner would make a really great uh, Hansel. And he's like, and they were like, yeah, he would. You should send something to him. So they sent him, all they sent him was this image, a still image, like a poster of the of Hansel and Gretel holding like the crossbow and the shotgun and like walking away while a witch was burning. And he was like, that looks really badass. Send me the script. Wow. <laughs> and then liked it and then did the movie. Like everybody that came in this movie, I've never heard of a movie just falling into place is what they made it seem like happen. But, but it was good. It was, it was, a uh, it was entertaining. You know, I w- it's worth a rental. I wouldn't buy it by any means if you aren't super sure. into like, yeah, campy, campy action horror ish movies. But Cool. It's super gory and tons of cussing. Like it was not at all what I expected to watch. Wow. It was much different than I thought it was going to be. So, but it's good. Actually, it's a good movie. Me want to watch this film now? You should. Yeah, rent it. Like you're up there, rent it, rent it in the in the woods, and yeah, sit outside on your iPad or something. I don't yeah, know. That's uh, a good segue, actually. So, how about you, Ash? I'm in the woods, <laughs> <laughs> Broad- broadcasting from the fucking forest. Um, <laughs> you don't have underwear on your mic, so I'm proud. No, of you. I don't. I- I've upgraded this year. Um, Anybody that remembers from last year's <laughs> well, podcast, the thing that's really actually kind of cool is Amazon actually delivers to me now. So I've been ordering crap like crazy ah. from Amazon when I got. I here. Actually, when I when I mailed you the the mystery boxes that we're teasing for next week, yeah. I told I forget who I was talking to, and they were like, "Is it going to get to them?" And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, and they were like, like up in the mountains, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure the postal service goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, me too. So they've been delivering stuff. But anyway, I'm up, uh, up in the Smokies visiting family, and it's a super small town. I don't even know, like maybe less than ten thousand people or something like that. Tiny little place. Um, and I'll be here for a little while before San Diego, San Diego Comic Con, where Matt, myself, and Hillary will be. Um, yeah, yeah. In terms of what I've been doing this week. I was able to download Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep while up in the mountains. And so I've been playing that. That's impressive. Uh, yeah. It only took like 50 hours to download. Right? <laughs> but no, but it's incredible, man. And if you're not a, a fan of Borderlands 2, um, you could, uh, I wouldn't say just start with this DLC, but it's so, it's such a unique take on the Borderlands universe because it, it is all told as. Um, Basically, Tiny Tina is telling this this story. They're playing a tabletop game, and so you jump into the tabletop game, and it's narrated by the character of Tiny Tina, who is played by Ashley Birch, who we had on a couple episodes ago, and she's kind of um, the DM. Yeah, the DM of this adventure with the original Vault Hunters, and you're going through these you know fantasy worlds, and it's just filled with humor, and there's a lot of really topical humor about like you know, who's a real gamer and all these, you know, all of these uh, hot topics right now in in the gaming world are all part of this DLC. But um, at its core, there's a lot of really sweet moments as well. Um, You know, she's trying to cope with the the death of a major character, which is why she put together this whole fantasy world for her friends to play in. And near the end, um, I'm not going to lie, I got kind of emotional near the end of this ridiculous DLC that's mainly Mm. comedy, but at the end there's some really... um, really well-written tender moments near the very end, which I thought were great, but definitely, definitely loved tiny Tina's assault and dragon keep. Um, and other than that, man, just hanging out and doing mountain stuff. I went and picked up some jam yesterday. You pet a horse. I pet a horse. Yeah. I was, Scott's like, Hey, can you get on and play borderlands? I'm like, hold on. I'm petting a horse. And I sent him a picture of me petting a horse. So yeah, it, that's it's not an nice. innuendo. You're actually just petting a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So yeah, that's about it, guys. <laughs> oh, so-
Well, hey, you, should, let's, uh, you should take us somewhere. Okay. In this podcast. So. Uh, we are here with actor, writer, director Bria Grant, whose directorial debut, Best Friends Forever, goes live for purchase on July 1st. How's it going, Bria? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on our little show and hanging out and talking to us. It's oh my God, thank, thank you guys. You guys have been very nice to me in the past, so I figured well, you, you I'd nice you up and ask you to help me promote <laughs> this movie. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it, it's totally cool. Like you've been, um, you know, supportive of us in the past. You were actually one of our first interviews, like almost three years ago. So we've managed to kind of keep in touch, and um, you've been always super supportive of our little site. So. Anything we can do to help you out is, you know, our pleasure. Absolutely. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah. So, I, have, I have many more things then. No, I'm just kidding. I need like my whole change. Is that cool? <laughs> I'll, I'll fail miserably at it, but <laughs> there'll be shit all over the place and your car might explode, but I'll give it a shot. Why not? All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so um, you are actually right now in Louisiana and um, you're all cleaned and showered up and ready to go. <laughs> 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 sorry i had to call you out on that um what are you actually doing down there in louisiana um i am doing um i i literally just rolled out of bed which is the joke you're making um i am because i've been doing late night shoots um actually last night was not too bad but um i am shooting a movie called smothered which is a um it's a horror movie starring a lot of like major horror icons um me not being one of those people, but um, it's uh, Kane Hodder, it's R.A., um, I can't ever say his name right, but it's R.A. M- Mikhailov, I think is how you say it, yeah. um, Bill Mosley, um, a bunch of guys like that who've played these like major horror villains, um, you know, at one point in time, um, yeah. Don, Don Shanks too, so it's like, you know, they were in I Know What You Did Last Summer, they were in Hall- the Halloween movies, they yeah. were... Jason, you know, like, so it's like all these great guys and they're all playing themselves and they go and it's sort of a story about, um, them and their, their careers and how their careers are sort of like, you know, they're not making the money that people think they make kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. then they go and, um, uh, haunt a trailer park and end up getting, um, get paid to haunt a trailer park and then they, um, (laughs) getting, getting haunted themselves. (laughs) That's awesome. What a great concept. It's amazing. What's amazing working with those guys because one, they're all like the majority of them are all um, uh, stunt guys first and foremost. You know that's how they got into the yeah, business. Yeah. And so, like when you're doing these like crazy stunts or when you're doing stuff, they're just like they're totally safe, but they're like really good. And there's that's, there's something just really nice about that. And they've also all been acting for like forty years, you know. And some of them, like Don Shanks, is in he's like late sixties, I think. And so he's just like you know they just take everything in stride, like nothing. Yeah, yeah. Is, and everything is so like yeah it, it's amazing and then the director is john schneider who um i know from being the dad on smallville but i think oh, other wow. people know from being i love like, john schneider yeah yeah he was bo duke and the duke's hazard so he i mean and he's awesome too so it's like just like the nicest set full of like the most amazing cool people mm-hmm. and it's been like such a great experience even though i'm playing like the craziest character i'm like unrecognizable actually. oh wow i can't wait to see that i actually yeah. heard like john schneider is like one of the nicest people in in the business everyone i've ever that has encountered him said he's like the sweetest dude so that must be nice working with him yeah on the planet he's the nicest person on the planet yeah, like, that's what i hear I, yesterday <laughs> we had this like 
there was a there's like a bunch of dogs in this movie. I don't know. And so there's a like a dog cameo and this this these people show up and I'm like, where do they find these people? Like this lady literally walks into the set and starts like smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer, like on set. <laughs> like, and I was like, where did this person come from with this dog? Like who why would this person with this trained dog is me being spoiled from Los Angeles? And they're like, Oh no, no, no. John met her at a bar and told her her dog could be in the movie. <laughs> like that, that's like, very much like him because people recognize him, especially from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, and yeah. and he is like so nice to them and and you know and, and then invites them he's like oh yeah i'm shooting a movie you want to come put your dog in you know whatever like he's like yeah. it's nice it's it's super crazy Total, totally makes their month by doing that too that's amazing oh yeah absolutely so uh i do have to briefly tell a story that is kind of funny um so i was in a movie with you and <laughs> and yeah. i've been meaning to tell this on the podcast for a while um you came to orlando to shoot homecoming and I had been following you on Twitter from back when you were on Heroes. And you said, hey, I'm in Orlando. I'm doing this indie film called Homecoming. It needs extras. And my wife and I ran out. And um, we were in the background for a couple of days as extras. And um, we actually played teachers of yours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> at some party. And it was such a cool experience. And um, for those people that don't know that are listening, I'm a teacher in real life when I'm not doing this. So it was kind of ironic. And, <laughs> and then my students... They found me on IMDb, and I have an IMDb credit as a teacher in this movie, Homecoming. <laughs> so I get asked all the time, like, what's this movie, Homecoming? Why are you in this movie? And I'm like, I can't talk about it. It's another <laughs> life. It's top secret. I can't mention anything. But that was really, really cool, and um, I just had a lot of fun doing that, so I figured I'd bring that up and tell you have that story. You, have you seen it? Have you seen yourself in the movie? I did. Actually, Sean uh, came to Orlando and showed it off the following year. Um, and so I hung out with, uh, Sean just for, you know, just for the screening and I actually did get a chance to see it and I loved it. I thought you did an incredible job and I'm not just saying that cause I'm in it. I really, um, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed the film. I thought it was great. So I'm glad. That's awesome. Thank you. I, yeah. That's like such a, um, it was so weird for me to go do that cause I was like coming off like such big things and it was such a tiny movie and I like really wanted to go do it. And it was such a drama for me to go do that movie because I mean, at the time I was at this huge agency and my agency was like, no, you can't go do that. Oh, like really? they were like, you are not allowed to go to do that. And they're like, if you do that, we are not going to be your agency anymore. And I was wow. just like, I was like, peace out. And I went and did it. Um, which was, you know, it's not the totally most appropriate thing to do as an actor, <laughs> but it was, I think it was really good for me to go do something like that because, you know, since then I've done a bunch of little indies and the, and they're super fun. The bummer about that movie is that it's not available anywhere yet, which I wish it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of, I, I've been meaning to, you know, get a copy of it for myself just so I can, you know, show my family like there I am yeah. in the background. Check that out. I but. think they're still <laughs> in the process because, um, the EPs of that movie are involved in my movie, and so we talk about it sometimes. And they um, they they had a distributor, and the distri- distribution company like went out of business or something, which actually happens more often than okay. you would imagine. And so um, I think they're still trying to figure out like how to distribute it properly, proper properly. Yeah, right, my lack of sleep. Oh, that's gonna- okay. I, I can't speak most of the time. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk a bit about distribution and stuff when we're talking about Best Friends Forever because you're coming out on a number of different formats and I want to make sure people know where to find your stuff. So um, so we'll get into that. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is I remember when we did our print interview with you a long time ago, um, I asked you because I had – I, I'm a creep and I research people before I interview them. <laughs> so I think it's good. If you don't, it makes me really mad. No, no. So, so I did. And you were actually a, a history major in college, right? Yeah. 
That is the coolest thing. And what made you kind of change your mind and, and lean toward acting? Was it because you I discovered you could act? Degree in American, and it's actually American Studies, which for those like nerds that know American Studies, mm. American Studies is like a mix of history and sort of a cultural studies degree. But yeah, yeah. I have a master's degree in, in that. Um, and I, because I didn't start acting until I was 24 or 25. Okay. Um. I, you know, I was taking history classes. Or I was taking grad. I was in grad school, and like, I just, I fucking hated it. It was <laughs> not. It was not. For I me. love the honest answer. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are people who are just really into it, and I just had this moment where I looked around the room and I was like, these people are so much more into this and better at it than I am, yeah. and like. I just didn't want to put my time into something where I didn't feel like I was going to be successful. And I also like, I didn't have the drive to do it, you know, like I just, it's a very like competitive field to be in, especially in the humanities in grad school in like, you know, have a graduate degree and then go and try to find like a college position and, you know, get tenure and do that whole drama. And I was like, you know, I just, I, I just did not have the drive to do it. And at the time, I started acting when I was a little kid and when I was in grad school, I was so miserable. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something like for me that's like going to be my, cause in grad school, you're just like constant. All you do is grad school. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're reading like four or five books a week and like, you're just trying to like, you know, keep up. And I was like, I'm just going to do something for me, you know, and take one night off a week and just like do something amazing. And, um, so I took an acting class to kind of get back into it. And I was like, this is what I want to be doing, which totally <laughs> everyone who knew me out there and then one day I was like I'm gonna move to LA and just like see how that works out and my friends were like who've known me for years were like what like it was like the craziest (laughs) that is incredible it would be like literally I think just anybody saying like one day being like I'm gonna be a rock star you know like it's like has no like bearing on real life because I mean I didn't really know any actors I didn't know anybody who did anything like that except the people in my acting class in Austin Texas and I'd only been taking the acting class for about three or four months before I was like, Oh yeah, I'm doing the total wrong thing right now. <laughs> that is such so. a cool transition though. And like you, you know, you've done so much since you made that decision, you know, from writing comics to now writing and directing your own film, which is just a huge, huge accomplishment. So right. except that I did like wait tables for like, two Oh days. yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I don't want to be like, and then I moved to LA and was wildly <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you didn't just show up in LA and immediately have an agency and everything worked out perfectly. Up, like you, TV now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was it was pretty horrible when I first moved there. <laughs> yeah, everything we hear that it's a, a painful a painful amount of work to uh, to get any sort of jobs out there. So yeah, it's a very yeah it's a very chicken and egg kind of thing. You yeah. know, it's like well, you can't get a good agent until you find a good job, but you can't get a good good job until you get a good agency. It's yeah. just horrible. <laughs> so let's start talking about Best Friends Forever. And um, I went back and reread the interview that we ran with you, like I said, almost three years ago. And you mentioned Best Friends Forever, um, not by name, but you said you were writing a script with your friend uh, Vera and that this is the, someone asked you, what would your dream role be? And you answered by saying, hey, I'm writing this script with my friend Vera, which I'm assuming was the Best Friends Forever script. Um how long did it take you to write and kind of where did you get the the inspiration to actually create this post-apocalyptic road trip film? That is so crazy. I did not know that I did that. Um, uh, that I answered that. That's so amazing. Because Vera always says to me, she's like, I always say, this is a two-year process. And she always goes, Bria, it's a three-year process. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't include the writing. Um, <laughs> so we started, we actually started writing um, – like a straight up horror movie. Um, 
And I think, it, you know, the reason it would be my dream role is because I got to kind of control my own characters, you know, and whatever I was writing, which was super fun. Mm-hmm. But um, um, we started writing, like, a very straight-up, like, you know, bloody, gory horror movie with, like, in a, like, contained place and that kind of thing so we could get it done for pretty cheap. And um, and then we were doing research, and we went and watched that movie Martyrs. Do you know that movie Martyrs? I have not seen it, no. It is the most... Well, here's the thing. Don't see it because I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing horror movie, but it is also so horrifying that we were like, Vera turned to me and she's like, let's write a rom-com. And I was like, I, like, I, was like, no, I don't know. I like started thinking, I was like, I don't want to subject myself to, um, you know, which is what happens to you and you're an actress in a horror movie where you run around and just like, you're crying for like three or four weeks at a time, you know, mm. cause you're just, you, it's hard to, it's hard. It's emotionally draining. So um, we kind of went, like, threw that idea aside, and then I was driving through West Texas and was, like, called Vera up, and I was like, what if we wrote a movie about an apocalypse happening, but people are in the middle of nowhere, like in West Texas, where there's, like, no cell phone reception, and there's not, like, a gas station for, like, 20 miles at a time, and they don't know that it happened. And she was like, yeah, let's do that. And so we ended up writing it. So it took us about... um, I don't know, almost a year probably to get this done. I mean, because we're both actresses. So we both, you know, I mean, we both have to make a living another way. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. it took a little bit less. Maybe it was more like six months or something. But um, we wrote the script and then, you know, would do readings and then would throw everything out and and restart it or whatever. And, um, And, yeah, so it took a while to get the script done. And then, you know, a while to actually get the money for it and get it made. So, yeah, all in all, it ended up being like a three-year process. Wow, which that's incredible. It's probably why at this point I'm just like so tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, just make this movie come out so I can stop thinking about it. Oh, no, my God, stretch. tell me about it. I, I bet, know. I bet. I mean, it's just like from just watching you um, promote it and tweet about it. And we'll talk about your Kickstarter campaign and stuff in a few minutes, but like you, I mean, you've been working your ass off to like show people this film. Um, and you know, we totally admire that, but it just, it did seem like a ton of work. Um, in terms of the theme of the movie though, um, it's, it's interesting. You guys chose this like post apocalyptic theme because it seems to be not to say it's popular right now, but there seem to be, it seems to be more acceptable, as a theme for a film or a video game. It's like I mean, a cultural like it, fascination with it. It right is now. weird, right? Yeah. In the past yeah. like five, six years, like, you know, my mom's like, I want to go see World War Z. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know, I actually just saw World War Z and it was like one of these moments I was watching it and I was like, oh, this could be super helpful to my movie. Eh? But then also I was like, wow, this is like they really took an apocalypse and made it like almost family friendly in a way. There was no gore in that film, right? I know. And it was so like, uh, it was such a, uh, yeah, it's like, it was like universally like, you know, anybody could go, I could tell anybody to see that movie. It's not like telling people to see, you know, some random, like I thought it would have more bite to it. And it it was like, it literally had like a happy ending, you know, like that's so rare for an apocalyptic tale. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And it's just funny that like now, you know, culturally, it is you have like the biggest movie star in the world, Brad Pitt, in this in this zombie film, um, and at, just as a you know as a theme, it's such a strange. And then you have you know in, in the video game world, you have this game Last of Us, which is just getting the you know the most critical acclaim I think of all time, almost of any game. So, what do you think it is right now as a society? What why we are you know accepting of of games and films like this, and why is this something that kind of is appealing to us? I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I, 
I think that horror movies and science fiction movies and and video games and books and whatever come along and get popular like because there is like something within the cultural zeitgeist that is like you know that that leads us to have these fears or or um or these thoughts or whatever and i i think right now i mean and this is a total like i mean this is off the cuff i have no idea i hadn't thought about this at all but because i've been noticing (laughs) the apocalyptic things you know i just saw this is the end also and i was like oh my god this is like my movie if my movie was funny because all i think about (laughs) is my own movie right now Um, (laughs) i I do think that there is something about because we are also interconnected throughout the world, you know, so, you know, I can go and call someone in China via Skype or communicate with someone, you know, be talking to people, you know, in, you know, fucking Africa via Reddit or something Mm -hmm. because we're so connected. I think it makes everything feel so much smaller. And so the possibility of there being like a worldwide problem feels so much more close, feels closer to home, you know, like because things that happen in China do affect us. And because if, you know, it just seems we just get information so fast and we're so interconnected. I think that there is a huge fear of all that being turned off or turned against us in some way, you know, because 50 years ago, I don't think they were worried about maybe 50 years ago. We'll say a hundred years ago. I don't think they're worried about a disease starting in, um, where did they decide it was started in world war Z? I I don't know. What did they say? I think it was it was China. No, no, no. It was South, South Korea, I think. South Korea, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think 100 years ago they were like, South Korea, if South Korea got a disease, we'd all be screwed. You know, like that wasn't even a thought. Yeah, they were like, where is, where is South Korea 100 years ago? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, whereas now I think it's a much bigger, I think that, that we're just so connected with the rest of the world that world issues feel feel like a big bigger deal, you know? Yeah. It's, it's globalization. <laughs> That's really actually an awesome answer because I didn't have an answer to that question myself. I was just kind of curious what you thought. Well, that was made of me. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> um, you've, you've t- this, so this is like the second time I read We Will Bury You uh, when it was out in the store. I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, well, but this is the second time you've kind of toyed with like it's, you know, like We Will Bury You set in a zombie setting, right? but not really yeah. about zombies necessarily. Is there something that like drives you to kind of play with the genre without, you know, without writing a straight up kind of horror flick zombie movie or, or a zombie comic, you kind of, you, it seems like you like to toy with it more and, and write a story around the fact that there is a zombie. You're just like, yeah, yeah, there's a zombie apocalypse going on, but look at these people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think horror movies and science fiction stories at their best are, stories in which we're able to deal with big issues because big things are happening. And I feel like, I mean, like I think as far as like the most, the most, the best horror thing, horror and, and genre stuff generally is one that like, that tells a good story and, and deals with like these bigger cultural issues. Like so in best friends forever, you know, one of the big things I wanted to deal with, I mean, because it's really, I mean, I call it an apocalyptic road trip movie, but in reality, it is a friendship buddy movie that mm-hmm. happens to happen to take place during a, um, a nuclear bomb detonation. Like that's my, that, that is like, it, it's just like, it's on the background of that. It's similarly mm-hmm. to We Will Bury You was sort of a love story taking place, mm-hmm. you know, that there was also a zombie outbreak at the same time. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm more. In, I mean, for me, I'm much more interested in, in you know human interaction and, and things along those lines. And so, for Best Friends Forever, it was sort of like what hap- what's most important to you when the world falls apart, which I think is something 
that sometimes we can only like think about that in those big issue. Yeah. You know, yeah. things. So like, it's like, who was the first person you called when nine 11 happened? You know, like right. who was, yeah, and, and I mean, and what's the thing that you're like, God, why did I yell at that person? If like, if the world ended today, if something massive happened and you couldn't make a phone call and you couldn't do anything, like who would be the person you would be like, like, fuck, like I, I need to go and tell them this really important thing. Cause we all have those moments, you know, Absolutely. I think it have, yeah. and I think it makes you really question what's important to you. And sometimes we can't do that until something really big happens. Not necessarily a nuclear apocalypse. It could just be like, oh, like, a, you know, I, I just say, oh, I got cancer. Like, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like yeah. something more personal or some yeah, other yeah, yeah. personal yeah, disaster yeah. rather than a worldwide disaster. But I don't know. Yeah, like, I really think genre, genre is such a great thing to get to play with because we can say these, like, big, huge things and mm-hmm. not have to say them... You know, it's not like I'm. We may have just a straight up like this movie's about friendship. It's like you know, right. it's a movie that will draw people in from all different angles. I think that's cool. Um, in terms of the actual like production of Best Friends Forever, you guys said you've been working on it for about three years. What did you guys actually shoot on? Did you did you go film or did you go digital? We shot on Super Sixteen. We shot on film. Oh, that's oh, that's wow. amazing. Yeah, and it's super it's, expensive. <laughs> my God. Well, you know what? I mean, yes and no. I will say. I mean. <laughs> I always tell people, like, well, our post costs about as much as it costs us to make the movie. And everybody's like, whoa. And I'm like, but we did shoot on film. So, I mean, there were things that I thought really helped about shooting film. One, it looks fucking amazing. Like, it's so Yeah, the footage we've seen looks beautiful. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And then, I mean, thank you. And then also, (laughs) um, there's like, it, it ended up... We save you save money on color correction. I mean, we did some fun stuff with the color in this movie because I wanted the movie to start looking weirder and weirder throughout the movie. So I spent a little bit more time than I actually needed to messing with the color because it already was so beautiful. Like when we looked at the raw footage, whereas I feel like when you look at the raw footage from like a red or something, you're like, ooh, like that's a little like you just yeah. have to spend time tweaking that color. And so we saved t- time there. And then we also, I mean, whether or not it's a good thing, it put a um, it put a limit to how much we shot and how much time we could spend on things. So when you're shooting a movie that, you know, you have such a low budget and such a limited amount of shoot days, it really helped because it wasn't like we didn't have a ton. We didn't do playback for everybody, which is horrifying as a director who's in the movie. (laughs) I mean, we had a little bit of, we had playback on this little tiny video camera that I would watch, but we didn't have like giant monitors. We didn't have, you know, and then we also couldn't shoot 20 takes of things. Um, which is the difference between, like, like um, Ash was saying that movie Homecoming, like, we we got to, like, sit around and improv and do all sorts of stuff with that movie all day, which was super fun. But it just it's a time-consuming thing, whereas Best Friends Forever, since we shot on location in the middle of nowhere, we just it, we just didn't have the time to do that kind of thing. And it kind of helped because yeah. it was like, oh, I only have 1,500 feet of film to shoot today, which wow. if anybody knows wow, anything about so film, it's like, it's fucking nothing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we literally ran out of film at one point. We had to, like, have film fly <laughs> it so in. crazy. Um, you know, and it was like, we just had to, like, you, we had to, just, like, go with it, you know? And that was, um, yeah. So it limited us in, like, kind of nice ways, I think. Yeah. And it and it wasn't so cost prohibitive that it made our movie more expensive. I mean, I think we would have spent, you know, a little bit less money, but not so much less that it would have made it, like, uh, the difference between like, oh, we're going to make our money back on this movie and we're not. It's yeah, not yeah. It's not that kind of thing. I think it's totally possible for, especially Super 16 because it's a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. But I think it's totally possible for indie movies to shoot on film if they really want to. 
So did hmm. most of your script actually end up making it into the film? Did you have to cut anything that you were scared to cut? Or Oh, my God. Well, um, you know, there's one major scene that got cut where the bomb happens and they feel it and stuff, and that was kind of a weird scene. Anyway, hmm. there was a major scene that got cut, and hmm. then we also shot the entire movie. We shot for 17 days in Texas and cut it together and um, – the only problem with shooting on film was that we didn't have dailies back because we were, it was a nightmare. So <laughs> we had we had to ship them off and we would get dailies back like three days later, I guess. Wow. So we got back our yeah. dailies from a couple days and um, uh, we, one of our lenses wasn't calibrated correctly. Oh, shit. Oh, crap. So <laughs> uh, there was an entire scene that was out of focus and there was a lot of other stuff that was out of focus. So that was a big, big issue. So we ended up, um, and we, but we edited it together anyway and we're like, we'll just reshoot those scenes and we watched it and we didn't like the ending. And so we actually reshot the entire ending of the movie. So the last like 20 minutes of the movie are all reshoots. And then there's a couple scenes within there that are reshoots as well. So we ended up doing five days of reshoots. uh, So, So you're a lot happier with the, the new ending than the old ending. Yeah, the old ending was very much like friendship, you know, whatever. And we ended up making the ending a little bit more horror and scary and apocalyptic. Mm. Um, Not super that, but like a little bit more dangerous, I think. I think it worked out a lot better. Excellent, excellent. So you guys uh, went to Kickstarter to help with some of this stuff in post, correct? Yeah. So how did that work out for you? Because, um, I mean, your your campaign was successful, which is is great and always kind of nerve-wracking. But um, what what made you guys decide to use Kickstarter, and and do you think it's actually, um, you know, a viable option for for, for filmmakers? I love that you said it's kind of nerve wracking. That was like, <laughs> it was, was um, nerve wracking watching your Kickstarter campaign when I have <laughs> thank you when I have I, um, invested in it. I was just like, are they going to get it? <laughs> no, because we were trying to raise seventy five thousand dollars, which it was. I would say, I at some point, I was like this is worse than shooting the movie. This is more more stressful than shooting the movie. I have never been so stressed out in my life. I um, I was so... Because, well, for one, for me personally, it felt like... Because it's like, there's my photo right there on the front. And, like, it was, like, me talking about it all the time. And, like, I just felt like, one, you're just, like, annoying the hell out of people. And I hated that. Like, I am... I actually don't love doing self-promotion. It's so funny that you're like, you're promoting the shit on this movie. It's like, I'm doing it like with (laughs) fighting against every bone in my body, but like being like, you know, I do want people to see this thing that I'm working on for three years. So the self-promotion thing is really tough. And Kickstarter is just about annoying people to death until they actually (laughs) like give to your campaign. And um, it was, I mean, it was horrible. Like, so we had three people working on it. Me, Vera Meow, who's my um, co-star and producer and co-writer, and Stacy Story, who is a producer on the movie, and she's also in the movie. Um, and we literally would take shifts. So at the time, I was editing the movie, and it was amazing because the editor and I would go online and see how we were doing that day, which was funny because his money was coming from that. Oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> okay, you're only at like 15000 And I'm like, yeah, don't worry. We're going to totally do it. No, yeah, it's like, this better work out, damn it. <laughs> Um, and then, so I would go and edit during the day and then at night we would go home and make videos and, um, I would start hitting up people and get people to write stuff and we would write thank you notes to everybody you gave. And like, so we did it on shifts and it was just like, we had meetings every day trying to figure out ways to like get people to help us. So anytime anybody's like, should I do a Kickstarter campaign for this? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's really fucking hard, <laughs> but, but I'm like, it, it is a viable option for people, but you know, 
it, it's just, it's rough. It's hard to do. It's hard to do when you're trying to still finish a movie, which is like obviously a full-time job unto itself. And for me, like, I mean, you know, I haven't made a dime off of this movie yet. And I, who knows if I ever will, like I'm also having to make a living as an actress, which is also not the easiest thing in the world. So it's just like, if you have the time, I just tell people, I'm like, yeah, just know those are three weeks of your life that you're yeah. not going to be able to do anything else. Like, yeah. you know, I couldn't go on an audition during that time. It was like, I just can't, I couldn't have possibly made a living. Well, you guys um, were working your ass off of that because you were putting out new content for that Kickstarter campaign pretty much all the time. I mean, like, yeah, videos I mean, like and stuff. 40 something videos. Yeah, 40 something videos we released for it, which was, which was super rad. And people were so nice, like making us little videos and mm-hmm. It was a super, I mean, it was, people really came out and helped and it was so nice seeing people and people are so supportive and still like, they come up to me and like, Hey, I gave you your Kickstarter campaign. I'm like, Oh my God, I love you. I'm sorry. I haven't sent you a DVD yet. (laughs) Um, But it also has been things like, like that. Like, I don't think we would be putting out DVDs except that we had a Kickstarter campaign. We promised people DVDs. So Mm -hmm. right now we're, we're trying to figure out a way to put out you know, to make 700 DVDs, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, we don't have any money left. So we're like, like having to try to figure out like how to yeah. you know, fill all these yeah. Kickstarter things that we're supposed to do. And we, we were able to, we sent on our postcards and some posters and stuff. I was going to say yours, I, I've donated to a lot of Kickstarters and I actually got something from yours. Oh, yay! And yours, yours is the only one I've ever received anything from. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And it was probably handwritten by me or Vera. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just, uh, we sat in front of the television one day and like just listened to like, CNN because it was like during we did it during um, an election or something I don't know what we were listening to but we just listened to him like we just spent like yeah. two full days like sitting there writing writing stuff and I putting stamps on things and that kind of your your situation with the DVDs is actually from what I've heard about Kickstarter is super common is that that people you would you would go do the Kickstarter thing you get all the the benefits put together. And then at the end of the day, like, because people don't realize that Kickstarter takes a chunk out of what you get from there. And then you end up giving about 10 percent to them and then to our credit card processing. Yeah. And then there's processing fees. And then, you know, and then you're actually paying for production on your stuff. (laughs) Like the money is actually going towards things you still have Mm -hmm. to do. And then it's like, oh, God, we still have to fulfill, you know, like planning that money into the Kickstarter sometimes is really hard to figure out like what, what yeah. the total cost will be at the end of the day. And and we thought we did, but yeah. um, you know, the things that we didn't put into, we were like, well, you know, like we didn't put into like, Oh, just stuff like festivals, like, you know, sending right. stuff to festivals or like, you know, and then, um, post the, just like the post costs, um, post office costs for to send stuff ended up being a lot sure. more than we'd ever planned. Um, cause and sending DVDs and sending stuff overseas, like, cause people gave from everywhere and then we're like, shit, we just send like yeah, that's crazy. postcard we send overseas. That's like two bucks or something instead yeah, of, yeah. you know, like it tri- triples the price or something. Adds up fast. So, I, I just remember sending out my wedding announcements, to like a hundred people right. and we were like, what the hell? That's like 200 bucks. <laughs> like, exactly. What is going on? Like, yeah. We spent a lot of money on posts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the weird thing about an indie movie is that like, these, I mean, I think it's rapidly, rapidly changing. It's so funny because I was talking to someone yesterday and they were like, oh, well, like movies like the one I'm making right now, they're like, they make all their money on DVDs. And I'm like, no, they don't. Not anymore. Like, and now they make their movies on VOD. Like, people make yeah. so, like, it's rapidly changing. And I think, and DVDs are getting to the point where it's almost like obsolete. Cause I, I mean, I think collectors and fans buy DVDs, but I don't, I think the average person is leaning, leaning, like leaning more and more towards you know, getting it for um, video on demand or um, or through cable, like getting, especially yeah. like movies of this size. So 
like, I don't even know if we would be doing DVDs except that we have to send them to our Kickstarter. I mean, I know we wouldn't be. You've even seen, um, there's even been like a lot of comedians lately that have been opting to do their own specials and then put them out through their own websites on video on demand and just like go straight to the people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think people, you know, I mean, cause it's, you can release it for a little bit cheaper. I mean, not necessarily like, you know, iTunes and all that kind of stuff. They set their own prices. Like we don't get to say that, but like for that kind of stuff, you set your own price and then you, people just pay you, you know what, you know, I don't know. I think it's, I just, I just think in a, like in like probably two years, I think there will be so many less DVDs out there. Yeah. I think it's going to just all be digital. I, I agree too. I mean, it seems like even with, with games and such, we're definitely going down that road. You know, yeah. d- digital is kind of the way to go. But before we get off the topic of the Kickstarter campaign, um, we have a, a silly story to tell. When you were promoting your uh, Best Friends Forever campaign, we tweeted out one time like, hey, you know, donate to this campaign and we'll buy you pizza at Comic-Con. Never oh thinking God. never thinking that people would be like, where's our pizza? So, oh we, no. so we get to Comic-Con last year, and this was last year, and we had all these people tweeting us like, hey, we're at Comic-Con. Where's our fucking pizza? Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, the problem was, I think like Allison Hayslip retweeted us or something like that, and then it had a little bit more reach than we were expecting. So we still owe people pizza for your Dude. movie. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I remember I myself saying. Oh yeah, Matt. To be fair, I remember myself saying, "Hey, you might want to be careful making a promise like that. You never know what will happen to that tweet." And he's like, "Ah, no one's gonna do anything. It's fine." And I'm like, "All right." <laughs> and then, sure That's enough, amazing. like you know, Allison Hayslip, who has like 20 million followers or whatever, is like, "Retweet pizza," and I was like, "Oh, screw it, we're done." <laughs> oh my god. I totally, that's amazing. I, there I there mean, goes our yeah. entire budget for the website. <laughs> <laughs> All it's to okay. pizza. It's either hopefully they'll forgot. They have forgotten by now. I think perhaps. We'll see. They'll probably beat me up at this year's Comic-Con, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so... <laughs> So you um, finally got to um, debut Best Friends Forever at Slamdance this year, correct? Is that where it first yeah. showed? Uh, tell us a little bit about, about that experience and kind of how, obviously, you're going to say it felt great. But I kind of want to know a little bit more <laughs> about what it was like finally showing it to an audience and kind of how the audience reacted to the film and, and what the Slamdance experience was like. Yeah. Well, I mean, for people who don't know, Slamdance is super cool. It's um, a festival that um happens during a uh it happens during sundance um in the same city but they just hold it at a different hotel and their whole thing is they do actual indie movies and like to be up for like in the narrative competition category which we were in you have to make your movie it has to be a first time director and it has to be under a certain budget too i think the budget i think it's like a million dollars or something so it's like actual indie movies for indie filmmakers it's not like Sundance has indie movies, but it's like, oh, they made this for like $6 million and Daniel Radcliffe is in it. Um, you know, so it's like, that's not really indie when I think of indie. Um, so it's a really cool festival. And my, um, I had a couple friends that were had done stuff with them. Amber Benson um, had her I love movie. love Amber Benson. Um, yeah, and she had her movie um, Drones there, which is how I kind of heard about the festival. And, and I'd seen that movie at Fantastic Fest, and I just thought it was amazing. And so... Um, uh, yeah, so we ended up getting into that festival, which was super cool and I think, like, the perfect place for us. And we were, like, crazy nervous because the problem with Slamdance is that it's just, like, a little bit away from Sundance and you have to kind of convince people to go because, I mean, it has its own following and there are people who just go to Slamdance. They don't do yeah. Sundance or whatever. But we had to, like, you know, we are trying to sell the movie, so we had to, like, convince distributors to go and people were basically, like, you won't sell the movie there. Like, you know, whatever. It's, like, a small festival. Amer- no, everybody only cares about Sundance. And people were really, like, you know, kind of crapping, especially like, you know, 
people who go to Sundance and that's like their thing. Yeah. Anyway, so we like, you know, you know, papered the town with our players, like just like went crazy up and down the streets, like putting our posters, handing out postcards and stuff. And we get there, I get there like the day we're about to do the screening and there's like a line around the corner. Oh, and I was like, awesome. oh, God. And then, oh, oh, it was amazing. And then we like walk in, I like everybody goes in and we're like, and it's standing room only. People sat in the aisles of the, th- of the theater. And like, I of course had been drinking because <laughs> I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. And I, you know, what I basically said at some point, I was like, acting is sort of like, you know, people are always like, acting is bearing your soul. And I'm like, no, acting is like just sort of like putting yourself out there to be judged. Making a movie is bearing your soul. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it, it, it's it's not like that I like, feel like it's 100% me on the screen and blah, blah, blah. I just feel like it's very like, if you're going to judge something in the movie, it's definitely going to be me. Like my face is on it. My, you know, I directed it. I really? did it all the post. So um, it was just like really nerve-wracking, but it was amazing. So people just were like, in the crowds and they were like laughing and like gasping and like it was just like a crazy amazing experience that was totally amazing we didn't actually do because because the funny thing about that was we ended up getting four um distribution offers on the ground there which everybody's like you won't get any it's so hard to get an offer at a film festival these days unless it's sundance and it was like we got four. I mean, like, so it was just like such a crazy thing. And people essentially were super scared of our movie because it's not a straight up genre movie because it has like, you know, this friendship element, two female leads and like, you know, it doesn't have some, anybody super duper famous in it. And mm-hmm. we met with all these sales agents and like, they were all like, we just don't know how to market your movie. We don't know what to do. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, and so we ended up going there without a sales agent, which is a person who basically invites distributors and gets your movie sold. And then we met someone down there. He was like, oh, I'll do it. Like this amazing mm-hmm. lawyer team. Like, who've been incredible. Like they, they were like, we'll, we'll do it. We'll help you out. And, and they invited some people, like a couple of distributors. I invited a couple of distributors and then, yeah, and we sold, and we got four offers while we were there, which is that just is insane. So cool. And so we ended up not doing that many more festivals and stuff because we already signed contracts for the movie to be released, wow. which is awesome. That is a great debut then. I mean, <laughs> you hear so many horror stories, like people work their asses off and then like nobody shows up or, you know, people just kind of walk out. But that is just, you know, the total opposite. So congratulations. That's super cool. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's very much, I mean, unfortunately, a movie that plays very well in an audience that it, with like within a theater so it's unfortunate that most people would experience it on VOD probably by themselves. Um, but yeah. I think, I, but either way, I mean, yeah, it was just an amazing experience. That's awesome. So we're finally to the point where the movie is about to be released to the public very, very soon. <laughs> so yeah. where can people find this movie now that we've talked talked about it for a while? Um, um, how can people yeah, get their so hands on it? It's out on iTunes. Well, I'm actually going to pull it up right now so I don't forget what I'm saying. But it's on iTunes on on Monday, July 1st. Okay. Monday, July 1st on iTunes. Uh, and then everywhere else, July 5th. Um, and that includes, like, Cox Cable, Time Warner Cable, like, all of the sort of cable platforms as well as online, like, Amazon. Oh, so um, you can literally just get it on demand. Like Yeah, it's on demand. It's on demand. Um, we actually are going through I believe it's through on demand through on demand um through most almost every cable outlet um and then also online like through we, our distributor is Gravitas and they have a YouTube platform but you can also get it through um I think you can get it through Xbox I think you can get it and then um you know obviously Amazon um these are the places I download things so I'm like oh yeah totally yeah, I don't yeah. know where everyone else watches things like <laughs> like Google Play and I'm like what is Google Play that's a thing I'm like I <laughs> 
<laughs> so iTunes on the first, and then pretty much every place else um, on the fifth, which is just incredible. I mean, that's yeah. that's awesome. And you're going to be like standing by your computer, clicking, <laughs> yeah. like who is watching yeah. this? Where are they watching it from? That's so exciting. Yeah. That's so well, cool. the big, the crazy thing is iTunes is like the one where everybody's like. Like, um, you know, you have to, cause it, iTunes has like, like, you know, cornered that online market. They have like 75% yeah. of the market. And yeah, so I'm basically going to be telling people on Monday, like buy it on iTunes cause it'll help us get on their front page, which makes like a huge difference or yeah. whatever. Cause if you sell enough on, it just automatically goes to the front page if you sell enough, which is cool. Oh, that is super cool. That is super cool. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely do our best to, you know, to help plug it because, uh, we think you're awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys are awesome. Yeah. Oh. Do we have some community questions? I know we're so we're so nice. Um, <laughs> uh, we did ask our community some questions for you, so this is sort of our this is sort of our lightning round slash community questions. Um, this one's okay. from uh, Chris Jenkins, who on Twitter is at Cloglip, and he says, uh, "What are some unexpected joys or challenges of working in film, TV, and comics?" Oh my so, god! Unexpected joys or challenges? That's kind of a really broad question, but. <laughs> It's really broad. Um, oh, my goodness. Unexpected joys or challenges. I mean, I'm trying to think of ones that are unexpected because all the things I'm thinking are very expected. Like, I mean, nice people. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think it's always, I mean, for example, like, um, I I, I am always, like, surprised by, like, how much I like doing what I get to do because there will be days before I go to shoot something and I'm just like dreading it. Cause I'm just like, ah, oh, crap. I have like a 12 hour day tomorrow. You know, oh, yeah. it's gonna, I'm going to work till four in the morning and what, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm there and I'm just like, wow, I would never want to be anywhere else. Like, I mean, yes, we work like crazy hours and stuff, but, um, yeah, but it's like, it's totally worth it in the end. And it's like that time warp where you're doing something that you like and you're like, Oh my god! It's already been like thirteen hours today. Like I've been on set for like that long. Like it's totally, yeah. totally worth worth it. Um, challenges, like as far as like directing the movie, I, I didn't expect. Like I thought, I, for some reason, I thought every all the decisions would be super clear cut. Like I thought I'd be able to go like, oh yeah, of course it's this, and then of course this is this, you know. But instead, it would be like, oh, I'm having to make a sort like a choice on like the sound of an explosion in the movie, and I'm like. God, I don't know. Like both of those sound like great explosions. Like you know, like in, and that was really tough. Which I think is why really good directors are so focused on what they want. And for me, since it was my first project, there was a lot of times where I'd be like, "Fuck, dude, I don't know. Like I don't like yeah. I don't I don't know if I need it to sound like you know or whatever." I feel like every song I picked out worked out amazingly. Like how do I know which one is best? You know, yeah. right. that there's no cut and dry answer, and that was a little bit harder than I expected. I yeah. think. I mean, that, that is a super rough question, but good answer. Um, the next question is, are you planning on writing or directing another feature? Yeah, I'm in the process of writing a couple. Um, I actually finished one that um, is a much more straightforward genre movie um, that um, uh, I, I like. Um, I don't know if I'll direct it. I think I, think I, I want to enjoy the process. I think if I direct something else, it will... I would like to direct something somebody else wrote. Yeah. So it would, or, or obviously something I'm not in. So it's like a little of both, you know, like yeah, yeah. I liked directing, I liked writing, I liked acting, but doing all three at the same time, it kind of felt like I, I felt a little bit like 
I didn't have enough collaboration, which I think is why you do that stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I would like to interpret that's someone else's so many responsibilities. Well. I mean, that's just a lot of hats to be wearing at the same time, you know? It is. But, you know, it's not even that. It was just that I felt like it was a little bit of the Bria Grant show, you know? So it's almost like I would rather, I, the reason I like acting is because I take someone else's stuff and get to interpret it through the lens mm-hmm. of my life, you know? And that, and I didn't get to do that with this, you know? So it was sort of like, I would rather, I mean, and while it was, like, interesting to see, like, oh, my God, that's the costume you think my character would wear. That's so interesting to me that you, like, have that interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, for me, I would rather be doing something either, I mean, if I wrote and directed, I just wouldn't want to be in it. Or, you know, and I get to see someone else's interpretation of my work. Or I'd want to take someone else's thing and, and, and make it into a real life thing. But, I, yeah, I mean... The answer is maybe. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it, plus, it also sounds like you're still kind of in recovery mode from from doing all this for three years. So it's like the last thing you want to I do. Is, yeah. Um, so, I, I'm I'm in like the like I just like showing up to set, knowing my lines, and then like you know goofing around for like you know however long I'm there, and then just going home and going to bed. Like that is the, that's <laughs> I do not blame you. Um, Justin Banks, who is at Midtown583 on Twitter, he says, um, what is your favorite movie of all time? That's such a hard question. I'm sorry. I know. I, know, I just don't have it. one. I, I hate to be like, I don't have a movie where I'm like, that is the best movie ever made, ever. I'm, I'm, um, the movie that like, if it's on or if I catch it and it, it still like makes me like it's it's a nostalgic movie for me. It's Wizard of Oz. Oh wow! Um, oh, randomly wow. of all my movies. Um, movie. <laughs> it is. Yes, yeah. yeah, of all time, uh, it's her favorite. She's it a is, super. There's something about that movie that's so magical, and I think it's for me when I was a little girl. Um, like I loved, I loved different worlds and the idea of there being a different universe, which I think is why I'm drawn to like the apocalyptic genre a little bit. But like. Which, if you think about it, Wizard of Oz is a little apocalyptic, you know? Like, it's like, yeah. she's gone into this other world, her world, like, been, like, pulled away by a tornado, like, you know, like, it's like, it's sort of like, you know, an old-school apocalyptic movie, and I think, like, that movie really, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, and she's, like, searching for herself, but really herself is always, like, right there in front of her. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, the most amazing story to me, and that is the movie, when it comes on, I'm just, like, I, every time I watch it, I'm blown away by it. That is that is so cool. So we have a um, a signature question that we ask everybody that comes on our show, and it's um, yeah. And the question is, what is your secret nerdy hobby or passion, or just your your hobby or passion that you're kind of almost too embarrassed to to admit, but something that you either collect or you do um, you know in secret. What do you, what is your secret nerdy hobby or passion? Such a hard question. Yeah, it doesn't. Have- I know, especially because we live in this world where I like I post like photos of like my toenails or something. Yeah, yeah. On the internet. Um, you know what I um I do almost every day, which is really, I I think my boyfriend finds it very strange, is that um I look on cooking websites and mm-hmm. cooking blogs, and I actually look at one that like aggregates all these recipes. I cook vegan, mm-hmm. like at at home. I I'm I um we vegan at home. And um, so I literally look up vegan recipes like every day. And there's one website called Finding Vegan where it's like literally just like it, it's like an aggregator for like all these blogs. And I go through like every single one and look at the ingredients and then I save them all to like this weird like file where I like. So I have like hundreds and hundreds of vegan recipes recipes to choose from because I 
I do cook like several times a week and I'm, yeah. I bake a lot. I bake, I oh, make a lot awesome. of like cookies and so I like, I spend, I spend more time than I should looking at that every week. And then I got panicky this week because I was like, Oh my God, I haven't looked at recipes for like, cause I've been working <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm like, seven days behind on looking up the recipes, you know, of all these blogs that I read. So that's like, there's probably like a thousand for me to look through. And I got like panicky, like trying to figure out how I'm going to look through that many when I get back home. Um, but my boyfriend thinks it's awesome. really funny because, you, ever, you know, do you ever search on, like, look on Reddit or something and I'm, like, going through recipes. That's hilarious. Do you ever search on Got Pinterest? Because that's what my wife does to find recipes is that she looks there and then pins the recipes. Oh, uh, yeah. I do have a Pinterest. I have, like, a private Pinterest for my recipes of the ones that worked really well. <laughs> yeah, there so, you like, go. I keep that when I share with my mom. My mom and I share recipes on that. But that's otherwise, awesome. I don't do the Pinterest thing. For some reason, I did not. I haven't gotten as into it as everyone else has because I feel like it might take over my life. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. I have a person who gets really yeah. addicted to that. That's a valid concern. <laughs> it is. It is a very addictive. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to follow you on Twitter or uh, your own personal website and stuff? Yeah. What are all your uh, your links and such? Um. Yeah, Twitter is Bria Grant, B-R-E-A, and then my website is briagrant.com. It's all very easy. Cool. And again, it's, um, let's see, July 1st. Uh, you can get Best Friends Forever on iTunes. And then July, I think you said 5th, every place else on the planet, you can get Best Friends Forever. So definitely exactly. download that, guys, and let Bria know how you like the film. Um, only if you like it. On if, iTunes, if, yeah, if you didn't like it, then don't tell her. Throw <laughs> <laughs> it away, put it in your trash can, and never contact me ever again. Don't you dare write a fucking review. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. It's been a long time coming, so we're super happy we had you on. Yeah, no problem. All right, we're back. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed our chat with Bria Grant from uh, Best Friends Forever. Um, inspired by our chat with her and the release of her movie, which you should all show, also go get right now, um, was our Naquato this week, which was, who would you bring with you on a cross-country post-apocalyptic road trip? So with that, let's get to our responses. All right, so eChap33, Eric, says... Uh, Patrick Swayze's Dalton character from Roadhouse would be a great road trip companion. Pain don't hurt. <laughs> Roadhouse. <laughs> that's that's not Patrick Swayze. That was just me yelling. Pain don't hurt. Yeah. I would. Oh man, I would hate to travel across country with a with Roadhouse Patrick Swayze. Well, because he would I just would like fight tell, everyone, right? He would just like yeah. box everyone you encountered. But I need to tell Eric this. I hope Eric's listening. Uh, my old neighborhood in Brooklyn, Park Slope, had one of the most amazing. Uh, barbecue restaurants called Pork Slope, which is the best name ever created. And it is a roadhouse themed barbecue restaurant nice. in the middle of Park Slope, Brooklyn. So you should go. You should go to Pork Slope and have delicious <laughs> food and beer and hang out in a roadhouse themed barbecue restaurant. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris Taylor, who is at Shockwaver on Twitter, he says, uh, Buddy Christ for his bread fish summoning ability. Summoning <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it as a summoning ability. Anyway, <laughs> how much mana does that take? Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, he says uh, fluid fire because obviously 
Um, fluid fire because it's his because wife, obviously. Because obviously, and you guys, so we can all remember gaming. It's true. We will just follow you around the apocalypse yes. and talk about video games. So <laughs> we, we got your back. We'll sit in the back seat and podcast like in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the aforementioned Amanda at Fluid Fire says, "I was going to say Chris, but he can run faster than me." So she she says no. Um, I suddenly understand why he wants me around. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that's true love. It's very sad. Yeah. Uh, so next up is Justin Biggs. Good buddy Justin Biggs at Midtown 583. And I'm going to correct his tweet right now. He would bring Lara Croft, not Laura Croft, my friend, <laughs> who's basically a grown-up Ellie. It didn't Conan O'Brien say it was Laura Croft? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you guys, if everybody out there is not list or watching the, uh, what's he call it? The un, The gamer... Conan O'Brien's Shit. gaming series. Yeah, it's it's, it's his gaming hilarious. review series. It's called uh, it's called non gamers or something like Clueless that. Clueless gamer, Clueless gamer. Yeah. yeah, if you're not watching Clueless gamer, go to YouTube right now and watch every single one he's put up because they are the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> he actually the the last one he just did was at E3. He went to E3 and uh, like videotaped him at E3. Wow. And he's like walking around just lost. He has no idea what he's doing and. <laughs> He goes to the PS4 and he's like talking to them and he's like, so obviously everybody wants to know what's the better system. And he's like, and since you're the guy I'm talking to right now, I'm going to say the PS4. (laughs) (laughs) And and the guy's like, oh, okay, cool. And then he goes to Xbox after that and he's like, since I talked to you second, I'm going to say the Xbox One is the best system out there. (laughs) And then the last one he goes to is the Wii U and he plays Mario Kart. And he wins and he starts freaking out because he's never won a video game before. Wow. And he's like jumping up and down and he's like, I won a video game. It's like <laughs> it's brilliant. God, he's, he's ridiculously funny. But Clueless Gamer and him at E3, every gamer fan should go watch because they're all really funny. Good so. stuff. Uh, Chris Sorry. Jenkins says, uh, or Chris, Chris Jenkins, who's at Cloglip on Twitter. Uh, he says Nick Offerman because that dude can handle anything. <laughs> yes, and I I give him props for saying Nick Offerman and not and not um, Ron Swanson. Ron, not Swanson. Ron Swanson. Yeah, because I agree. The real Nick Offerman, first of all, funnier. Second of all, <laughs> really does know how to do a ton of shit. So yeah, I think Ron Swanson is pretty much based on Nick Offerman. He kind of yeah. is, yeah, in a weird way. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Teresa at uh, MetFan says, Sergeant Hicks, Michael Bean, uh, two-fold purpose, strong and handsome. I, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. And a nice guy. And um, a nice guy. Who and agreed we, to be on our show. Which we is got weird. a reply from Facebook as well. Uh, yes, we got a reply on Facebook, which we encourage you to do. Uh, go to our Facebook. Our questions get posted there as well. And it's at Danielle, or at, Jesus. Uh, it's Danielle Toddle. <laughs> You can put an ad, I think, in Facebook. Sure, you can now. Uh, I would probably bring someone with a good sense of humor, someone like Russell Brand. Man, that would be, I think that would be hilarious for like three days. And then on the fourth day, I'd be like, all right, dude, turn it off for like a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we are fucking starving to death. Please. <laughs> but that would be awesome. I just had you, this you mental want- image of Russell Brand like, Acting like Mick Jagger foraging for food. <laughs> <laughs> but you would kind of want somebody funny, right? Like you wouldn't want like if you brought like a downer, you'd be like, oh, good Lord. Like we're never going to make it through this. Yeah. So who would you guys bring? Oh, we didn't answer ours, did we? No, we didn't. That's yeah, that's tough. 
Well, I'd bring my wife, of course. Even though she doesn't even <laughs> listen to this podcast, it doesn't even matter. Well, other so than no, I wouldn't bring her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, digging that hole. I would bring. Can they be fictional? Did we say fictional? Sure. I yeah. Think other people went fictional, so. I'm gonna bring Thor. There you go. Wow. <laughs> you could just like ride on his back as he flew yeah. through the skies. <laughs> around the skies with his hammer and I'll just sit on his back like yeah <laughs> everybody missed the visual yeah. there in the podcast but beautiful beautiful vision of that. I put my I put my hands like kind of up in my like yeah <laughs> it was good times while riding on Thor's back it's incredible how about you Ash oh wow I guess in honor of best friends forever um other than my wife who I would not abandon during the apocalypse um I would bring her but if wives yeah. are not an option I'd probably bring my buddy Mark been my best friend since i was three um and now he's about to be a cop so he can shoot people well you're uh, making me look like an asshole in front of scott now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thor's a good answer man unless scott has thunder powers i'm not, I'm not aware. i'm not trying to make you feel bad but i i would take you with me matt oh great because now i'm the only but asshole no. who brought four but this is why well, because listen listen we've already been on the road together many times <laughs> I don't like to drive. Everybody knows this. So oh, you you would drive. I would be the navigator. This has already been established. I think it's it's pretty easy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and then I don't know who else we'd bring. Probably uh, – We'd have Thor. We'd have Thor. Maybe that's the deal. It'd be you, me, and Thor. Well, I would like to then – I would also bring um, Elizabeth Mitchell because that's that's what she does. She did it in Lost. She did it in Revolution. <laughs> so if we need somebody to take us across country so – like. You're- so what you're saying is you're going to bring Elizabeth Mitchell and not your wife. Well, I thought wives were not part of the equation. We, didn't we already rule that out for this? I'm just being a bigger asshole. I don't that's know. like, that's no, that's fine. like the RSTLNE. We already know that they're included and then we just have to pick other people exactly. to bring with us. Yeah. Exactly. See, so I'm just CYA. I got it. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck these acronyms mean. I have Come no idea. Ass, man. Come yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's pretty much it for um, this week's episode of the Rated NA podcast. Uh, (laughs) Next week, I think we have a traditional episode, and hopefully all four of us will be here, and we will open what's inside of that secret box. box? Yeah, what's in the box? And um, I'm excited to see what's in the box, and Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to wait a week, but I will wait a week. Um, I think it's going to kill Hillary. She's been writing me all week long, like, when do I get to open this? Oh, my God. Yeah, we forgot to say why Hillary isn't here. Oh, um, yeah. Why is Hillary not she, here? She was running down that dock again, and this time she tripped down uh-huh. her dock at her mansion, and she fell into this moat that she had built to keep out the regular folk, she right, said. Right, right. Um, and she actually was just um, – she didn't get hurt this time, but she was, like, covered with mud and stuff from the moat outside of her palace. So she, um, you know, she's just cleaning up, and she'll be back next week. I heard – but then she got lost trying to find the bathroom, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, oh, so I, I heard. Happened. I I actually, she's been wandering around. I'd actually had heard that she she fell into this moat, right? And then when she got up, it was like medieval times, like, you know, Martin Lawrence's <laughs> Black Knight. You guys remember that? So she, yes. like, yes. W- went to King Arthur's court with Martin Lawrence, and they, like, took care of business, right? So that's, <laughs> that's what I remember happening. I don't even know what's happening. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyway, huge thanks to Bria Grant for hanging out this episode, and hopefully you guys go and pick up Best Friends Forever. It's on iTunes, and as of the 5th, it'll be pretty much everywhere. Amazon, um, Google. Yeah, all over the place. And Actually, I'm really excited to finally check it out. Um, you guys can find us on Twitter 
and that's at Nerd Appropriate. You can email us all directly. That's Ash, Matt, Scott, or Hillary with one L at nerdappropriate.com. And of course, we're all over the place. Please drop by our iTunes and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. And yes. I'm going to announce right now, I am actually going to add Leviathan Wakes to our Goodreads account. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, do it. And start talking about it and spread a little love on Facebook with it. I'm, I'm Scott read this book. I'm reading it currently. I'm in love with it. It's an awesome book. So I'm going to put it up there and we're going to talk about it. Only took us like six months to get that going. Six short months to get that moving. One new Kindle later. And <laughs> yeah. is in action. All right. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you guys next week. See ya. Someone want to bring us back into the Nequado? Sure. Yeah, if I, you can. Do you want to do it, Matt? I'll do it. Since unless, or do you want to pick up that ball you fumbled before? And yeah, intro I'm going to find this damn question here. <laughs> okay, you ready? Um, inspired by our chat with her and the release of her movie, which you should also also go get right now, um, was our Nequado this week, which was <laughs> I can't find it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I clapped. I'm so sorry. You're nah, it's to okay. Cut all that out. No, we're gonna go with it. <laughs> These are see. We have weaknesses here. Uh, you know, like Hillary and Ash will read anything that's on the teleprompter, and I just can't yes. read. So <laughs> I think I think it all evens out in the end. <laughs>